Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. Or if this is your first time here, then thank you for joining us. This is the doula's guide to dot, dot, dot with me, the Dungaree doula. So this week it's the doula's guide to the stages of labor. If you missed the first couple of episodes and would like to know more about me, then go back and check out episode one for a little introduction and a big chat on hitting the birth in or episode two for everything you need to know about building up a positive birth mindset. Some of the background information that we give in those two episodes will actually help uh, build on the stuff that we talk about in this episode. So it might be a good idea to go and check those out first as well. This episode, like I said, is all about the stages of labour. So what's actually going on when we give birth, how you might experience it and some top tips for each stage. Obviously, everybody experiences labour in a unique way, but this is just a general overview And I hope that all you lovely pregnant people will find it incredibly helpful and can utilise some of the stuff that we talk about in this episode. So welcome and enjoy. So I ran a free workshop on this topic a few months ago and thought it would make a great podcast episode as unfortunately most of us don't actually know what the hell goes on when we give birth. We just think we're going to pop down to the hospital, our waters will break and our baby will pop out. But actually there's a lot going on. And when we know all about it, we can help labour along as well. So we talk about that a lot in the second episode. What was great about the workshop that I ran was that there were a couple on it who at the very end told me that they were actually in labour right there and then as they were watching the workshop. I was so excited about it. I just felt really honoured that they'd chosen to spend their time in that way. So at the end, the birth partner unmuted himself and he said just how invaluable the session had been and that he felt like he could go away and utilise what he'd learned right there in that situation to be a better birth partner. It was honestly one of the coolest moments of my teaching career so far and I don't think I'll ever ever forget it. So hopefully you guys feel similarly and you can really use the information. So labour's made up of three very different stages. We're going to talk about how each of these might look, how they might feel and the different things that could happen during your experience of each stage. We're only actually going to cover the first and the second stage of labour in this episode because the third stage is all about birth in the placenta and I feel like that deserves its own episode. I think though that it's important to mention here that as I said at the very beginning, everybody will experience labour in really different ways and it's all a journey. I know a lot of people really hate that word but I feel like it's just the best way to describe it. So from the minute you get pregnant, it's just one long journey of preparing your body for birth and your baby for the world. And as you ride through the different parts of labour, you have these unique experiences, which are what you and your baby needed to get to that point. Um, So what I'm trying to say is don't get too bogged down in expecting every single one of these things to happen in a textbook way, because birth works best when left undisturbed and not too heavily observed or obsessed over. So the first stage of the first stage is early labour. Um, also referred to as latent labour. So this is when things are starting to kick off. You may have noticed some signs preceding this, such as losing your mucus plug. So if you don't know what your your mucus plug is, it's like a sticky, mucusy blob, I guess, um, basically. And it lives in the entrance to your cervix. So it's stuck up there from early pregnancy as a way to protect your cervix from anything getting in that could cause like infection or harm. So this might come away, you might um, notice this maybe in your pants or you might notice it when you wipe and that's a good sign um, because that coming away means that your cervix is ready to start thinning and effacing. You might have been getting more frequent Braxton Hicks, you might be getting tightenings, backaches, just little signs basically that something's about to happen. And then during the latent stage what's happening is that your 
cervix is thinning and defacing. So what this means is that during pregnancy, your cervix is really thick and long and short for the most part. So when we go into labour, our contractions or surges, if you're um, doing hypnobirthing, sometimes people like to call them surges. So your contractions or your surges are working to soften the cervix so that it can become paper thin and then it can start to dilate because a long, thick cervix just can't suddenly open. So there's a lot of work happening before you even start to dilate. And that's why I think it's a good point to not get too focused on the numbers in terms of dilation. People sometimes find out that they're only two centimetres and go, oh my God, I'm only two centimetres, that's nothing. But actually, only two centimetres is great. Your body has already done so much work to get to that point that it's not nothing at all. It's actually a really, really great big deal. So at this point, your baby's also getting into the most optimal position for labour and for birth because they make a series of intricate movements during labour to help ease their way out. And at this stage, what they're doing is just making sure that the smallest and hardest part of the head is pressed onto your cervix and putting that pressure on it so that it can start to dilate. You'll probably feel some mild contractions during the latent stage, but some people don't even realise that they're contractions at all because they're infrequent or they just feel like mild period cramps. It can last anywhere from a few hours to a few days, which I know probably sounds awful, but if you're just having mild, infrequent cramping a couple of times an hour, you can just get on with your day. It's not like it's going to be some massive, really stressful ordeal for days at a time. Most people just get on with day-to-day life, and that really is the best thing that you can do. So obviously, like, stay nearby to your house. Don't take, like, a day trip to the beach or something, but just carry on with your day as normal. Don't start focusing too much on the surges, the contractions. Just try and be patient. If you wanted to, it can be nice to do some things here that will boost your oxytocin. So remember we spoke about oxytocin in the last couple of episodes. It's the driving force behind labour. And it's that love hormone that you get when you're really relaxed. And it helps to strengthen the contractions. So try and do something that you really love or that's really relaxing. Maybe inviting a friend round to give you some pampering or have your partner cook you a delicious meal, get a back rub, put some essential oils on, all of these things that are going to boost the oxytocin and ramp up those contractions. Another top tip for this stage is to strike the right balance between staying active and resting. So if it's night time, just go to bed. Don't think I've got to stay up, I've got to stay active, I've got to help things move along by being upright, because you don't, you're just going to knacker yourself out. So if it's bedtime, go to bed. If you need a nap, have a little nap. Labour can be long. Like we said, you could be in it for days. If you use up all your energy at the beginning, then the rest of it's going to be harder. So night time, go to bed as usual. If you need a nap, have a nap. But of course, as we know, it is a good idea to have a little bit of activity. So if you can go for little walks, if you've got a dog, go and walk your dog. If you need to go to the shops, go for a little walk to the shops. Uh, Bounce on your birthing ball. Just try and strike that right balance between not exhausting yourself, but also not just sitting like a couch potato the entire time, basically. (laughs) In terms of dilation, it's measured as being between zero to four centimetres, but really nobody should be checking your cervix at this stage, or at all really, unless you desperately, desperately want them to. The signs that you've moved into the next stage are quite obvious, things do start to change, so there's no point to be having examinations or stressing about how dilated you are at this stage. The next part of the first stage of labour is the active stage, and this is when things start to ramp up a little bit. 
So you'll be in this stage until you transition to the pushing stage and you'll go from around four centimetres to nine or ten centimetres. But remember, you do not need to know the numbers and you don't need to be examined. People think that they need to have examinations to check how dilated that they are. But if you think about it, the number is firstly probably not that accurate and secondly doesn't tell us anything about how your labour is going to progress. The cervix is not a crystal ball. So midwives insert their fingers into your cervix and see how far they can open them up. Then they guess at how many centimetres that is. It's not really the most accurate way of measuring something because think about opening up your fingers. Would you be able to tell how many centimetres that is? Especially if you can't even see them. And then furthermore, just because you find out you're four centimetres or eight centimetres or ten centimetres, that doesn't mean that they can then say to you, oh cool, that means your baby will be here in two hours or... 10 hours or three days because honestly nobody knows you might be four centimeters and then your baby might be here within two hours but maybe they won't be here for another 10. Likewise at eight centimeters it could be within the next hour it could be within another eight. So sorry that was a bit of a tangent but I really feel like it's important to know that you can always refuse vaginal exams and it can sometimes be a good idea because they can be uncomfortable, they can introduce infection, they can break waters before they're ready and all of those things are just going to derail your labour. So I do have an episode coming up on vaginal exams but I just thought it was worth mentioning here too. So back to the point, active labour is when things start to get a bit more of a noticeable pattern. So contraction surges will probably be coming a set number of times within 10 minutes. So maybe at first they come in one in every 10 minutes, then two in every 10 minutes. Then you might even hit three in every 10 minutes. You probably won't get more than that. Some people do experience four or five in 10 minutes, but it's more likely that they settle around three in 10 minutes. They'll likely last somewhere around 45 to 75 seconds. And this is good to remember as well, because a lot of people just think, oh, it's going to get really intense and I'm going to be feeling these intense contractions all the time. But you're not, you're only feeling them for between 45 and 75 seconds and then you get a little break. As you get further along, they start to feel more powerful and notice how I'm not using the word painful here. They get more powerful, they get stronger. This is a good thing. It's a sign of all the hard work that your body and your baby are doing. Um, you might need to employ some of your coping mechanisms here. So like hypnobirthing, breathing, acupressure, um, massage, gas and air. Um, and of course, if you want or need it, then other pharmacological options are available too at any stage. It's always your choice. It's a good idea to adopt active birth positioning at this stage. So again, we'll have a whole episode on this coming soon. But trying to keep upright and open is a really good place to start. So if you can adopt positions that are stood up, that are on birth balls, that are on all fours, that are leaning over a partner, leaving over a bed, anything you can do to create space in that pelvis is going to help at this stage. This bit is normally a little bit quicker than the latent stage and generally lasts a few hours, but it can be even quicker for subsequent birthers, so people who have already given birth before. If you're having a home birth, this is a time when it's a good idea to ring your midwife and get them out to you because they'll need time to get themselves ready, get all their bits together. Um, maybe they have to navigate traffic, things like that. So you want to ring them at this stage so that they can definitely attend you before you give birth. And likewise, if you move into a midwife led unit or a labour ward, then give them a ring and let them know that you'll be heading in soon. Your birth partner can really step into their role at this stage as well. So they can set up the birth environment however you want it. So whether that's at home or if you're going to be moving to the hospital, 
um, get them to set it up for you. They can be getting the final bits together, making sure you've got things like phone chargers, car keys, change for the hospital, getting all those last minute little bits together and then driving to the hospital or the midwife led unit if needed. They should also be comforting and encouraging, uh, giving you drinks and snacks. There's loads of stuff they can be doing so make sure they've prepared with you as well. You don't want to be feeling alone at this point. It, it really is. It does take a team. And then comes the final part of the first stage of labour known as transition. So this is literally the transition from the first stage of labour to the second stage. And what happens is your body gets a big surge of adrenaline to wake it up in preparation for meeting your baby because you're about to start pushing, you're about to meet them. So it's really clever and it's really useful, especially if you're starting to feel a bit tired. So if you've had quite a long first stage of labour, you're feeling a bit tired, you're feeling a bit fed up, then you get this huge boost of adrenaline and it makes you feel really nice and alert and awake again. If you remember in the last episode, we spoke about how adrenaline is the enemy of oxytocin and straightforward labour. And that is true at every other part of the birth journey, except for here. So for this tiny little window, adrenaline is really important because like I said, you need it to prepare your body and to prepare your mind to meet that baby. I don't want to spend too long talking about this stage because it's completely variable how you experience it. Some people don't even notice it at all and it passes within a minute or two. But for others, it can sometimes make them feel a bit scared, a bit overwhelmed or a bit out of control. And that is just because if you've been really calm and relaxed and then all of a sudden you get this massive surge of adrenaline, it can feel a bit like what the hell is going on? So just note that if this happens, it's okay and it's normal and it still won't last that long in the grand scheme of things. It's rarely longer than 30 minutes, but generally it's not even that long. Something that can be super, super helpful is again something that your birth partner can do. Um, so make sure they're aware that this might happen and then if it does they'll recognize it and they can talk you around and they can bring you back into that calm space that you were in because if you're panicking or you're feeling out of control then it's not easy to rationalize especially not when you're in labor but if your partner can recognize that you've just hit transition then they can say hey look it's all okay you probably just that transition which is a really good thing we're about to meet our baby I'm so excited you've done amazing like we've got this and then you'll realize what a powerhouse you are and realize that also it's nearly over like you're basically at the end point now so it can be really helpful if they can look out for it and they can tell you like woo, it's nearly done we're nearly there so at this point, your cervix is fully effaced, fully dilated to whatever size it needs to be to accommodate your baby's head. So 10 centimetres is not the magic number. The magic number is whatever size your baby's head is, and that is where your cervix will stretch to. So then you're ready to push them out and meet them, but you don't have to physically push. So mic drop moment, everybody just thinks that you have to put in all of this effort to push your baby out, but you don't at all. So the second stage of labour, you're about to meet your baby, exciting, all of the hard work has built up to this bit and you're really, really close now. And what happens here is that the contractions change to become expulsive, which means that instead of working to dilate the cervix, they're now working to push that baby down the birth canal and out. So your body does all of this work by itself. So like I said, in TV and in films, we're showing people being shouted out to push, push, and they're gritting their teeth and they're grabbing people's hands and they're using all of the might to push their baby out. That's not what happens in real life. So in fact, the more that you can relax at this stage, the better because a relaxed pelvic floor makes this stage so much easier as you're not tensing up the muscle, making it all hard and clenched together. You're keeping it soft for baby to push past. So keeping as upright as possible 
getting gravity on your side, getting pumped up and excited to meet your baby and just letting your body and your baby work together to come airside is the best thing you can do. Relaxing that jaw, letting that tension out, just letting your body do what it's meant to do. A lot of people at this stage experience a lot of pressure in their bum and they might say that they need to poo. And this is a really good sign because it's pressure from your baby descending down the birth canal. And of course, some people do actually poo at this stage as well. So that's totally normal and nothing to be embarrassed about if that happens. Um, but yeah, feeling that pressure is a really good sign. If a midwife or a doula hears you say, oh, I'm feeling so much pressure, I feel like I need to do a poo. We're secretly thinking, yes, she's about to give birth. <laughs> As babies descending down the birth canal, with each contraction, a lot of people can feel them moving down and it's a really, really powerful sensation. It's just like you can finally feel all of that work. So as babies descending down with each contraction, you could feel them move down and then when the contraction or the surge is finished, you might feel them bob back up a little bit. And again, this is completely normal. It's just helping them carve out their path and gently stretch the area. So don't be disheartened if you feel this happening because it's for a really good reason. Eventually, you'll feel the baby crowning, which is when the head is right about to come out. The head will be born on one contraction and it'll stay out until the next contraction, which will birth the rest of their body. Some people, however, experience what is called a fetal ejection reflex or FER. And this is where babies are born in one big swoop. So it's not the head and then the contraction, the body in another contraction. It's just one big contraction and it's quite rare, but it must be amazing to witness. I am praying for the day when I am a doula at a birth uh, where somebody experiences a fetal ejection reflex because I would love to see it. <laughs> a lot of people also have their waters break during this stage of labour, but as we know, waters can break at any stage of labour. Sometimes they go before it's even started and sometimes they don't break at all so babies can also be born in their sack which is called an on-call birth and again praying for the day when I am a doula at a birth where a baby is born on call because I would love to see it. During this second stage of labour it's all about just letting loose, following your instinct, letting your body guide you into the positions that feel comfortable and supportive, just make all the noises that you need to vocalise through the surges, Really listen to what your body is telling you to do because all of birth is instinctual, but at this stage, it's just the most primal and animalistic. And the more you can get in touch with that side of yourself, the better. And it's not about, like you hear phrases like leaving your dignity at the door. It's not about that at all. It's about really just digging deep inside of yourself and seeing what you need to get the birth that you deserve and just following it, just doing what feels right. So really surrender to doing whatever you need to do. And then you've done it. You've bossed your birth and your baby is here. You finally brought your baby airside and now you can just enjoy it and it's going to be the most perfect magical experience. It's not actually done there though. There's still the placenta to birth, but we're going to save that for an episode of its own all about the amazing placenta, how you can give birth to it and what you can do with it. So that concludes our chat on the stages of labour. I hope you all found it incredibly helpful and it's given you some food for thought go away now and start doing some more work on normalizing birth get your birth partners involved like i said make sure they know that they need to be putting in the work just as much as you are and you could even get them to give this a listen if you think that they would be up for it so thank you for listening if you enjoyed this podcast please stick around like follow and subscribe or leave a little review if you don't mind that would be so very helpful and speak soon bye